0: Welcome back, everybody. We are back in the house. We are back with another episode. Mum, I can't believe we've actually managed to record four episodes now.
1: I know. Listen, it's just like, I'm just loving the journey. Loving it, loving it, loving it.
0: Yeah, so for those that have just recently tuned in to our podcast, Finding, This month we have been exploring finding health and we've managed to touch on three things in regards to health so far and we thought it was only right to touch on this subject as it's going to be our last, well for the time being anyway, um, focusing on health and today we are going to be talking about mental health and we actually have a special guest on today's episode, someone who is probably one of my favourite people. And yeah, I'm going to just let her introduce herself.
2: Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Hewitt Mimi bohe I'm an integrative therapist. Um, I specifically work with children, young people and the minority community. Thanks for having me today.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you so much for joining uh-huh. us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking time out of, I'm sure, your busy schedule. It must be hectic for you doing loads of uh, Zoom consultations and um, seeing people. So, yeah, we appreciate you taking out the time for our little chin wag
0: online. Yeah, man. Honestly, and just before we actually get into it, how have you been, Hewitt? Like, particularly throughout this time, how have you been?
2: Well, it's it's been challenging time um, yeah. for all of us, I must say. Yeah. And this is the longest where I haven't travelled to see my family abroad. So, yeah, it's just having to take, you know, loads of walks and doing a bit of self-care. It's very important, you know? Yeah. It's yeah.
0: so, so important. And I feel like this is, like, the longest I haven't seen you for, either. <laughs> yeah. it's it's a crazy time so but I'm glad that you're doing really well and yeah I think it's just so important that we all you know just connect where we can and just check in on each other because it's such a weird time right now
2: most definitely yeah for sure
1: okay so should we just jump straight in yeah for me this uh subject today is really um important because Mm. for me I'm I'm a bit of a mental health novice I don't really understand I suppose from my generation um it's kind of always been yeah we don't get it Mm. do you know what I mean so for me I'm gonna get a lot of insight and um and also some food for thought for me to walk away with for my own personal journey so yeah I'm really uh, looking forward to our subject today. Right, so uh, as we're we're talking about mental health today, it's only fair that um, we just kind of start with just a, a blank slate and ask uh, a question pretty much that most people might want to ask, and that's um, when did we start to recognise that mental health was a, you know, a real thing, just in general, like when did it come to the forefront that, oh, this is actually a real thing that mental health exists because, for me, my knowledge is if you have mental health, you're mad. I, I'm sorry to sound blunt, but that's where I'm coming from in regards to my knowledge. Um, so you go, to, you go to Maudsley or you go to some form of, you know, um, institution to get that sorted.
2: How did it become a... We come from a generation where... You can't talk to people. Mm. You can't trust people. Mm -hmm. But we also have to recognise within the black community, there's that mistrust. And to be fair, we haven't received the best mental health service, you know, used in years ago. You know, we was wrongly diagnosed or sectioned, you know, serious stigma within our community, let alone how other people have perceived us. Mm-hmm. So I think I want to make that very clear, but yeah. mental health's been around years and years. It's just that it's you know it's now that people are are talking about it. The younger generation are coming forward to my practice. Yeah. You know they, they they're very open about talking about generation trauma. Mm. But um, so that you know mental health has always been around.
0: Yeah. No, you're 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 right, and that's something that um I wanted to just shed some light on. I think, well, not think, mental health, like Hewitt said, has always been there. I think, particularly from my point of view, I've always been aware that mental health has been there. I think my perception of it has just changed. So mm. from what I used to perceive as, you know, someone now knowing it's mental health, but like mum said, they were just mad. They were just like the local, you know, mad woman or mad man. But I think as I grew older and my, I matured, I definitely became more compassionate to mental health, particularly knowing people that have had their own personal like mental health breakdown, and also myself having my own mental health episodes. I feel like my mindset. Of how I viewed mental health was completely different.
1: I would say that also as well, the young um, generation, the millennials, have been an amplifier for um, for mental health because you know, in regards to my generation, I'm I'm thinking back into the 80s and 90s and 2000s. I'm pretty much my sort of coherent generational memories it was just literally cut and dry like if someone had a breakdown they just had a breakdown there was no sort of subdivision subsection there was there was no kind of kind of breakdown it was just cut and dry so for from a black cultured you know uh, background it, it just did not it didn't resonate to me And maybe still part of me still doesn't resonate with it because uh, I'm thinking there's there's got to be some form of um, what happens from the point of you being okay to the point of you not being okay. What happens in between? Do you know what I mean? How, How do you get to that point of you being diagnosed with, you know, schizophrenia or, you know, anxiety? How do you get to that point of it being
2: a diagnosis? I mean, we'll come to that so that I can tell you the differences. Okay. And I can relate to you, actually, Dion, because um, we're in the same generation, so that you know. I mean, I would just like to say from my experience, you know, within the black community, there's always been a negative stigma, even till today, mm. okay, surrounding mental health. Instead mm. of seeking professional help, conditions such as depression, anxiety, many in the community resorts to self-medication mm. like you know the drugs and and then the alcohol you know mm. or even isolation in attempts mm. to solve you know their own individual problems thinking that you know i can do it on my own i mean mm. this is an issue of masking pain in a a special you know prevailing amongst especially black man yeah mm. Yeah. And and I'm only saying this based on my own personal experience of working within our community, yeah and it's a repeated yeah. episode, you know, yes, we're saying that a lot of the the younger generation are coming to us, but from my experience again a, a lot of it is the young female coming to my practice. Where are yeah. the boys? Where are the young men?
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to, uh, they haven't got there yet, have they? It's kind of like, uh, because I'm looking at it from, this is just an observation, Maybe because a lot of households are, you know, especially if they're boys, are being brought up by maybe a single mother. And because she's busy doing what she needs to do in order just to function, to, you know, survive herself, she's not really kind of understanding that maybe the boys need a little bit more oomph to, to to get there to open up. So maybe the the mothers are just not equipped in order to be able to assist their boys in, in getting the help that they may need at the
2: time. Would you say that was a fair kind of um, point of view? Yeah, t- to some extent, but also, even if the father's around, I think we have to recognise that there's this, you know, wording or, 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 or culture where we say, men are not supposed to cry. Mm. Okay. So even within the family settings, whether, you know, there's a single mother there or not, we've raised a lot of our young black man, you're not supposed to cry, you're not supposed to show emotional feelings, you know, how, you know, we've got to go away and think about how our black boys and young men and men are perceived outside our race. It's so difficult because
1: the... the in. I know it may sound uh, stigmatising, but in most cases, I I think that black men are kind of uh, looked at as maybe even subhuman, that they're kind of, they're not, because we in our own community don't give them the platform or the space or the safe space to kind of open up emotions, they grow into a closed vessel. Where mm. they they just will not break away from that because it is perceived as weakness. Mm. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, agreed. So, I totally agree.
1: Yeah. So how how do we move from that? How do we get to the point of of explaining to or opening the the, the platform for black young men or from boys to men for them to understand that? Look, hey. It's not a, a, a kind of a weakness kind of um, a position that you should kind of look at it, look at it that it's kind of it, you're helping yourself, you're nourishing yourself to, to the best wellness that you can get to. Do you know what I mean? How can we best kind of translate that over to them that they receive it?
0: Well I think in an ideal world we would say it would be great if it starts in the household and also in their educational mm-hmm. surroundings mm-hmm. however we have to bear in mind that particularly in my generation and maybe I don't know maybe I'm speaking out of turn here but in your generation it's like it's kind of similar of like hurt people hurting people and children having children if they are Legal guardians or their adults don't have the mental capacity in order to kind of have it together themselves, they're not going to be able to give that information down to their offspring. Do you know what I mean? So, in an ideal world, yes, that communication should be built from the parent to the child. But some of these parents are dysfunctional themselves or they have their own mental issues to be dealing with. So, to be, you know, trying to give them the strategies they need as a child to cope and as men to be like okay like this is how the world is going to perceive you but this is what you can do to strengthen yourself or protect yourself you know that parent just may not have that those those tools or the ability to do that but in an ideal world it would be great for schools to also have these conversations because you know parents can do the best that they can but children spend half of their young life in these educational systems so a lot more can be done within there but a lot of the time we don't have people that look like us within our Mm. schools so it's hard Mm. so then people go to they turn to alternative measures like hewitt said they end up self medicating or they go and seek counsel for elsewhere that are like bad influences not all of Mm. them but a lot of them tend to do that
2: yeah i think um you know you're, you're right they you know, um, but also we, we have to recognise that the numbers are going up within the black community in terms of diagnosed mental illness. Mm. And I mean, even though there are still negative stigmas around the mental health in the black community, like myself, we are and other people, we are willing to allow another generation to grow up within, you know, <laughs> without access to counselling and mental health improvements. And there are loads of resources out there you know, I just think we also have to recognise that, you know, if you're living in a white country, because I remember going to school um, back in the days in Mitcham, and it was all white people, mm. there was, there's only a very handful of black people, and yeah. you just, I knew I was made to feel different, I just didn't know it then.
1: Yeah, right. I'm with but you, I they? totally agree with that. Yeah, I'm mm. with you, because it's Thing. You know, I, you know, coming from the, the background that um, I come from, both parents are pretty, uh, we, we, we lived a pretty middle-class life, so I've never grown up in sort of like high-rise, no no disrespect to anyone who may live in a high, high-rise, you know, council flat or anything like that, but that wasn't my reality. My reality was always in a predominantly kind of white area that was pretty affluent, mm. wow. do you know what I mean? So... Um, and my parents always thought it was it was a good idea to send us to the schools that you know was mainly white because we'll get a better education. That was pretty much the the mantra that no, you're going to go to school, you're going to learn. It's not about you know kind of social gatherings and you know making friends, so to speak. You get your education, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I felt the same way like like you did. I knew that I was different. Um, And I was made to feel different just even by the way that the the teacher would would communicate with me. Do you know what I mean? Always felt different. The question that's asked to me, you know, it it was delivered in a different way. So I always had that inner kind of um feeling singled out kind of thing, you know. But yeah, Mm, understand that.
0: That's really interesting really interesting to hear it from you guys's point of view because I think growing up myself just before we move on to the next question I never had those experiences I, I never had those experiences of being made to feel different in my educational environment and maybe it's because I had a lot more black peers around me mm-hmm. and I guess my schools were located in quote-unquote urban areas mm-hmm. so there was much more of a black and minority community mm-hmm. so if anything a lot of a lot of the hatred I said would actually come from my own community mm. um but I guess that probably just comes with this pass and parcel of just going to school you fall out with people you mm-hmm. make up do you know what I mean but in terms of like the racial difference I never actually experienced that mm. so it's quite interesting of how times have. Moved. I mean times yeah.
2: times have completely have moved you know um yeah even though there's still that question mark of do you trust the the white person Mm -hmm. that you're seeking from you know mental health service from
0: Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah that's true that is true because just shedding light on my own experiences of I've had therapists from probably since well since school and I've had a combination of white therapist and black therapist and I always felt more of a connection to my black therapists mm. um just because there was just that unspoken word of we understand oh. each other mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: do you know what i mean like having a conversation not saying that you know your uh your accolades are any less than or you know what you've studied isn't good enough but how i respond to a white male compared to how i sp- i'm able to relate to a black female is completely different right
1: because I know that you see me, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, in in that respect, did you kind of um, not give yourself fully over to the process of of opening up to th- the white counterpart, as opposed to opening up to the black?
0: I think subconsciously, yeah, I did. Mm. I probably wouldn't make it like. Baitly known, mm-hmm. but I think sub going back to like what Hewitt said regarding trust, mm. I think subconsciously there might have been a lack of trust, right. hence why the relationship didn't last very long. Sure. But yeah, I just wanted to move on to question two and kind of just throw it out there. Uh for anybody that is going through any sort of mental health is how do we know the difference between feeling low and actually having a direct mental illness
2: right so in terms of feeling low Mm -hmm. if it doesn't lift within a few days Mm -hmm. but it lasts longer than two weeks it may be a sign of depression
0: okay
2: big difference between feeling low and depression so I need you to make a note of that yeah okay? okay and there's also physical illness that can cause depression so often we don't think physical health has anything to do with depression and mental health illness
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the possible physical causes of the side effects it, it it can also come from medication that we're taking are you with me yeah Okay, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to give you some tips of what a feeling low could look like at some point later. Mm -hmm. So if we hold on there, then the warning signs of mental illness. So excessive paranoia, if it's a long lasting and it's sadness or irritable. uh, You know, if we're looking at extreme changes in moods, Mm -hmm. social withdrawal, Mm. dramatic changes in our eating and sleeps of pattern they are the early signs of mental illness right mm. are you with me yeah yeah so there is there are stages yeah. okay that's why you've got to really check yourself in terms of your emotional mental well-being mm. yeah and and I think we all need to be fully aware that nearly all of us at will experience a low mood at some point in our lifetime.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and low moods can leave us feeling tired, irritated at some point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's usually triggered by specific life events, which yeah, we tend to forget.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So if we're looking at work pressures, yeah. you know, financial worries, and poor health. And, and unfortunately, the black community, or should I say the minority community, has poor health, a complete worrying or an anxiety. We don't seek for, for early help.
0: That's so true we were talking about that wasn't we in our first episode yeah um i would say particularly the older gen though because i think i was even having a conversation with one like a few of my friends yesterday. and we were like we don't play like if we are feeling some type of way we don't hesitate to pick up the phone you know to schedule a doctor's appointment and if we're not happy with that we'll go again and we'll go again until we are happy with not the diagnosis but that we've been heard because it's like they say, prevention
1: is better than cure, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But um, not a but. I totally understand that your your generation is, you know, a far cry away from our generation in regards to myself and Hewitt. Because uh, whereas you know, feeling low is something that is pretty much rife in majority of. of People, forget about it being black people's majority of people's daily life you just got the stresses of life whether you're you know parents or you're not parents but it's the job and this and that different circumstances trigger different things however for my generation I think that we kind of look at it from we can just get on with it we just need to get on with it it's all about survival instincts mm. and they just kick in and if you got to go to work it don't matter if you're feeling low uh, if you're feeling blue you don't matter what kind of multicolour you're feeling that day. There, you put on your psychedelic jumper and you still go to work. You know what I mean? It's just, mm. you know, it's 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 just one of those things. I would really like to get to the stage of it being acceptable in most um, uh, uh, black culture households. That even, you know, women and men my age would be a little bit more receptive. I'm t- talking to myself even when I say that yeah. because I'm still of that mindset that I'm not paying the big, big money to go and sit down and uh, and and chat my business to, to, to anybody. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm still, I recognise that I do need to have some because I've never really had any therapy throughout my, my life with all the different things that may have happened to me. I've never really dealt with, nothing it all gets locked into that small little box in my brain and we move as you young people would say but Mm. I
0: think that's I think that's the issue though because you're almost normalizing the behavior and then what happened is as young adolescents we pick up on that and we think oh it's normal to see our parents go through something and not deal with it and move Mm. and then we adapt that that same behavioral pattern and take it into our adulthood Mm. so I think that When adults say, you know, do as I say, not as I do, it's quite hard Mm -hmm. because we do follow what we see. And if that's what we see in our households, then, of course, that's what we're going to take into our own personal lives, our own relationships, our own, you know, work situationships and things like that. So I think when you guys talk about in your generation when you felt low, but you kind of just kick into survival mode, Maybe some of you guys did, you know, experience things like depression at that time. And but sure you just did. didn't label. you just didn't label it because from the conversations we've had in our family, the way you know we talk about mental health, it's like it's a joke. Yeah. The...
1: <laughs> Sorry. <that was> <laughs> uh, I'm not, no, you are putting you are putting me on blast, but still I'm gonna have to own it. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. It is one of those it is one of those things that literally just turn around and I'm like I'll even crack a joke, because you know you know me, Shay, like my humour is sometimes uh a
0: That's your defence method.
1: Yeah. So in awkward positions, I'm still kind of cracking a laugh or a smile, which I can't, I can't help because it's just my makeup. But the subject right. is is it does touch me. It does, you know, it does get to me, but it's like I don't have I don't have the the tools to be able to process it in the way that I'm supposed to process it because I'm so used to just going into survival mode and to be quite honest that's that's always been the definition of a strong of a strong black woman you know what I mean no one don't no one can't see you break no one can't you know what I mean like our mantra in our household was like people you could be broke but don't make anybody know mm-hmm. say you're broke. You understand? Right. When you step out the house, make sure you have on your matching panty and your um and your bra. All of those things are practical things to turn around and and, and say to a, a child. But they're not really, you know. My parents weren't really about kind of nourishing like how you're feeling and that. what's feelings. That's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, feelings are irrelevant. We don't know about communicating on a feeling level. is like, have you done this? You cook the rice? You make sure the hoovering done? And do you know what I mean? So it's never been a case of, there was a, a um, an open forum to come and discuss that.
0: Yeah, I think just jumping on from what mum was saying, I think it's to do with, you said something that was pretty key actually, it was that you don't have the, you didn't have the tools. And I think that might be the issue. Going back to what Hewitt said in regards to what the signs are from being different, what the difference is, sorry, from experience a low mood to actually having something that might be far greater than a low mood and then having the tools to be able to deal with those signs. Mm. And I'm not saying that they may not have had it, but maybe if people that were around them, were able to identify the signs a lot earlier, then maybe intervention could have been implemented more sooner.
1: And then also at the same time, that some people might recognise the signs, you know. Some people, you know, some older people may recognise the signs that they remember from their generation, that their aunt or their uncle had a bit of a, you know, was a bit iffy, you know, didn't quite people would tell them say wasn't quite there and they don't want to talk about it. So they might recognise that oh that, that you know those kind of symptoms there or what she's displaying Uncle Rudolph might might have had those kind of traits. Mm-hmm. And in most cases my parents generation will shut down. Mm-hmm. They ain't gonna say because they're not gonna they're not going to come to the forefront and say, oh you need to go to the doctor or you need to go and seek some help.
0: But why is that, though?
1: Because it was looked at as a weakness and that, listen, ain't nobody got time for that.
2: Yeah, I think we've got to look at equality. I mean, we've come a long way. We're still yet a long way to go, mm. OK? You, you know, you know, we need to understand that, you know, the, the elder generation came here to work. Right. Mm. Get on with it That's... and just do what you had to do, right. you know? And again... Quite rightly so. We need to come away from that cycle generation trauma behaviour. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of our youngsters have done. To say, hang on a minute here now. We're born and raised here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why can't I get the same treatment as the other person who's not the same race as me? Mm-hmm. So the good thing about it is that the younger generation have got this, you know, the sense of entitlement attitude. Yeah. is so our generation. That- yeah. we was on a on an eggshell. Do, yeah. do I go? Do I not? Do I say something? Do I not? Yeah. You know, even when you had to go to sexual health clinic, you had to hide. Literally. Because Literally. you didn't want to be known as the person who's out there having sex or because that's how people made quick assumptions and that's we need to come away from making assumption and let's start dealing with facts. Mm.
1: Right.
2: Mm. So I think I'd highlight that, but also, you know it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: And I think that actually moves nicely into the question of how mental health is perceived, particularly within the Black community in the UK, because, I mean, just personally, I think we've come on leaps and bounds in regards to raising awareness, more people coming out, more people are talking about you know, suffering with any mental health that they've gone through, um, particularly within our community. But I feel like that is more so in the young generation. And I feel like that has also been with the help of things like social media. Mm. I think we perceive mental health not as a weakness anymore. If anything, I think we look at it as a strength. But I know that that might not be the case in you guys' generation,
2: I mean, I'm just having, I'm I'm just thinking about this, okay, mm-hmm. as you're asking these questions and what's going through my mind right now, you know, equality, okay, things haven't been fair, you know, within our society, there's that big, massive trusting, untrusting, the race equality training remains unclear till today, in terms of the legislation's
1: yeah, I'm, I'm I'm, hearing you, but can I just interject and just say, okay, so are we saying, all right, so this is what I need to be a little bit clearer for me. Are we mm-hmm. saying then in, in general that the way that mental health, I mean, I know all, as humans, we're all individuals and we've all got different ways of receiving and, and, and retaining information and also expelling it as well. However, if it's a case of mental health legislation, whatever's been put in in place, shouldn't it be one size fits all in regards to diagnosis, in regards to the way it's treated? Are we saying in one breath that black people or or people of black or minority um, backgrounds have to be diagnosed in a separate way? Are we saying that?
2: I don't think one size fits all. No. Uh, And this is my personal... Yeah. Opinion on this, not a professional. Right, right. Okay. And and the reason I'd say this is that even if we're not talking about mental health, there's that stigma amongst that black woman or that black man in this society.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we need to understand that we're in a white man's land. Right. Okay, so if you look at black people in black country majority of them do really well in terms of mental like emotional mental well-being mm-hmm. because they're surrounded amongst their own people same language same food same everything right. the division often within the black community is whether you're rich or poor right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in the UK from my personal experiences let's just say 15 years ago I used to work Um, for the local authority children's unit mainly for the minority and that's what drove me into therapy by the way so we did have the minorities and we did have some white people some white children should I say and they were completely emotionally damaged we're talking about emotionally damaged youngsters that I worked with what I've noticed is that when professionals would come into the building how our white children were treated were totally different to the black children Right. So for example, when a black person is shouting and screaming and automatically there was question marked around mental health. Mm. But culturally, I don't think that was a mental health issue. It's just that the young person just knows how to express themselves of being loud and swearing, but it, it wasn't mental health. You just right. needed to understand a cultural difference. Mm. So often, this CAMS workers would come into the building. They're mental health workers, by the way, mm-hmm. and would do this assessment on this black children or young people, which I couldn't relate to the report that had been written because mm. that wasn't the case. Yeah. yeah. So how did it but, manifest for, for the for the white counterparts
1: then? How would they kind of perceive it, it was the same the same kind of child that was being loud and also swearing and so forth? In, in, in the in the classes How were they then looked at Or dealt with Were they automatically put into the,
2: the Category of mental health Well yes okay. uh, You know behaviour problem ADHD mm-hmm. ODD just started to label And mm-hmm. historically You know our community has been Misdiagnosed if you look at the mental Health act historically And that's where the problem is given the wrong Medication mm wrong diagnosis because culture awareness were not there. Mm. yeah
0: agreed yeah
2: okay but now you know there's still some questions and great areas around but through training and legislation's equality we've come a long way I mean can I just
1: um also interject with another kind of sub a question and mm-hmm. that is when it comes down to sort of um the youth of today sort of taking recreational substances like you know weed and cannabis and especially the strains that pretty much are around these generation of the millennials and it being the skunk specifically or the alternates so or whatever because i don't know pretty much all you know the whole diaspora of 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 what are they called varieties right. however what I have seen really increased over um, uh, a, a portion of time I would say okay in the last 10 to 15 years that there's a lot there's been a lot of um, psychosis diagnoses from on to young black men that have maybe dabbled in partaking in that kind of recreational drugs would you say in your professional opinion that you've seen an increase more of an increase in regards
2: to psychosis diagnoses well not just within the black community
1: Mm -hmm.
2: i'll make that very clear yeah um early early stage of psychosis yes definitely Mm -hmm. and i think what we need to understand is that um it's just that some drugs may take more likely for you to get, you know, a mental illness and it could also be, you know, it could make it harder for it to be treated. So we're not just looking at skunk within our younger generation, Mm -hmm. Dion. I think I'll make that very clear to you. Yeah, We're looking at cocaine. Mm. So general sort of
1: across the board kind of drug abuse. Yeah, cocaine. Is inducing is inducing some form of psychosis in in uh, part of the generational partakers, millennials, and maybe even older. I don't know.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, older ones, but they just tend to do it on a hush hush more likely sometimes. But you know, the self medication it's the fact that you know it's a mixture it's a cocktail wasn't it we're looking at some people are taking painkillers some people are taking you know the skunk the weed I can't even keep up with it as a professional and that's mm. the honest truth mm. you know but then again we also have to look at other young people how they deal with their own trauma and mm-hmm. and let's not shy away from self-harming mm. that's a very common one yeah, yeah. Would you
1: say that that is something that's predominantly um, a female thing or is it kind of equal-equal?
2: It's the equal-equal. You know, some female may, may go towards cutting themselves. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at people just literally banging their head against the wall, crying mm. out for help, but they just don't know how to. Some yeah. people are literally, you know, just idolising deaths. Mm. suicidal attempts mm. we're looking at food over eating or not eating i mean the list and are, these, go are on. these
0: are these all are those all clusters
2: self-harm well yeah it is mm. i mean that's what you're doing aren't you mm. Mm, that's
0: interesting i never looked at it like yeah.
2: That. yeah it's a mental health issue isn't it and i just think that you know if we can recognize it and get early help it's a definitely generally manageable thing mm. and it's okay to get diagnosed. Diagnosed doesn't mean that you are ill. Well that was really interesting to hear that from
1: um, your perspective from personal and professional eyes. Uh, in regards to um, where you're at as, as a therapist now, what are your views on the black community sort of seeking the help and support with dealing with the mental health? So how, what I mean in that question is because it might have interlinked with a few other questions that we've asked. We might have jumped into it somewhere else. But in regards regards to the point of, okay, so in layman's terms, you've woken up today, you're not feeling too great, you're feeling under the weather, you know, it's pretty much lasted the whole week and you just cannot get from underneath this funk, yeah? Is it a case of you pick up the phone or you go on the internet and you just start sort of, googling and you know calling up your doctor and all of that or do you give it that two weeks um and then sort of you know go go on the journey of reaching out for help in the black community how especially coming from you know if you're uh, from a background that doesn't bode too well with reaching out for help how do you get that help how do you get that acceptance to get that help then
2: there are different ways of getting help. So it's down to individuals and it's what works right. for individuals. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to wake up and feel totally crap. That's mm-hmm. what we've been doing throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but say, get up, shower, make your bed up, listen to music, you know, try and shake it off. Mm-hmm. Meditation, a friend or to your loved ones, or to someone who you share your own personal thoughts and experiences, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Go for a walk, you know, ask yourself, when was the last time I had a good meal? When was the last time I had water or a cup of tea? Mm -hmm. Self-care, so we're bringing it back to self-care. And, again, I teach a lot of my clients how to take care of themselves. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay? (laughs) Really hmm. important, but that, that, that even that in itself, self care people, a lot of people don't even really know what self care is about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, other than just wash your face, brush your teeth, and you know, all your bits and pieces in your shower and whatever. That's pretty much to some people what self care is.
0: But I think before it's going on to going beyond an issue where you may need to seek external support. I think it's about celebrating the small wins particularly in a time like this Mm. so like for example we're now in our third national lockdown and it's not been easy globally for everyone but i think those days where you do feel crap i think just getting out of bed making your bed and having a shower those are wins Mm. particularly if you were in that bed and you were thinking i don't want to get up today Mm. i just don't want to get up today i don't want to interact with the the outside world Mm. I think it's about, you know, us not just looking at self-care as going to get your nails done or going to buy trainers or whatever. It's actually normalising that self-care starts
1: with the most smallest things around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the same. Hewitt, th- there you go. Like, you know, she she's far further on than I am when it comes down to the thoughts of um, self-care. Because even to this day, I'm looking at what she said about the, the small wins. I'm looking at well, that's my triumph for the day. <laughs> Brilliant. That's my triumph for the day, literally just to get up, make the bed, you know, and make something to eat or, or, and get dressed. You see right now, yeah. I'm rocking the bonnet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm rocking the bonnet and I'm just like, ooh, do I need to really come out the bonnet today? Do you see what I mean? Like, how do you right. push yourself to kind of want to do this self-care if you're in
2: a low state? I just think that you you have to continue talking to yourself and it's okay. All right. And it's okay not to be okay. As I said earlier, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. days when I think I'm not coming up my bed mm-hmm. and why should I, if I haven't got nothing to do, you know, but however, mm. it, it's okay to talk about your feelings mm-hmm. and talking yeah. about how, you know, you feel can help you stay in a good mental health. Yeah. and and deal with times when you're feeling a bit troubled it's okay you know Mm. and I think we need to come away from putting too much pressure on ourselves because we're very competitive aren't we very
0: you know Mm. very
2: competitive versus your mental health Mm. Mm. yeah yeah that's something to think about you know It's okay to keep active, to eat well, drink sensibly, you know, keep in touch with the world and ask for help. Take a break. Do something you're very good at for a change.
0: So what about once somebody has, you know, done the whole self-talk, done the things that they've done to celebrate the small wins? When we feel like, no, this is something that's actually impacting my life every day and it's actually affecting Everyday activities, what steps would you recommend for someone to seek help outside of themselves
2: or outside of their family right. or friendship group? It's always okay to contact your g p. There are free lines out there that you can get you know emotional support if it's mm-hmm. emergency, you know the crisis line and so on okay, but mm-hmm. early stages could be the fact that having to talk to your doctor your g p and saying actually this is how I'm feeling right now. You know, or you can call up for, you know, therapists, you know, go online, look for mm. registered, licensed therapist that you can choose from. The tools are out there now than ever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's
0: true. And I think that kind of brings it to my personal journey like I've had the experience of having private and NHS and I'm not knocking the NHS because I feel like as a whole they've done that they're doing that the best that they can but I think those that are suffering with mental health or maybe not label it as mental health knowing that they've just got an issue I think it's hard going through NHS because you've just got to wait so long and it's like I think that might be a deterrent of why people don't go and, exe- go and seek help because they think by the time I need it, things could look really bleak for me. I've got to be on a waiting list for all six to nine months in order to just get an assessment of somebody, you know. And it's like, yeah, I, I think that was a thing for me where it was just like, I know that I have an issue Ooh. right now and I know that it's it's impacting on my everyday activity and how I'm doing things and how I view myself and how I view people around yeah. me I was just lucky enough to be in a position where I could afford private support mm-hmm. but not everyone's fortunate yeah. for that not everyone has the capability of paying and it private. is
1: also very downheartening like what you said like if you you're you're in a state of dis despair inside of yourself and you're reaching out for help but you get told okay you know you're going to wait and listen someone contacts you in six weeks time or whatever just to get the first initial conversation that is it's kind of demotivating you know it kind of makes mm. you I, I'm assuming most people that are reaching out for that kind of support it's like well it's a dead end you know what I mean I, yeah. I, I've reached out but I've been told I've got to wait six weeks six weeks i don't even know if i can hold on for six weeks how how do you deal with that kind of situation there um hewitt
2: yeah and, and and thanks for asking this i mean I, I i do private practice so that you know and nhs it's the funding isn't it mm. you know mm. but there are a lot of charitable organization or free lines that you can contact you know just that for the here and now moment mm. Mm, okay the here and now moment meaning you know you have every right to contact crisis team within your borough you know and if things gets really at hand and you know it's out of control and you need the help you can actually walk into A&E and ask mm. you know to be seen by a mental health mm. team but uh, most of the time black people don't go through that angle because you know, they've got this at the back of their mind, they're not gonna be assessed properly, they're not gonna get fair assessment, and they could get diagnosed. And that's where the you know, again, the trust issues questioned from my experience. Mm. Yeah, and I and I just think that, you know, if if we're in a position to afford therapy, it, it's it's good to just just to prioritize emotional mental well being than that design a pair of jeans or shoes mm, mm. because it's, it is a long-term yeah. investment when you're going into counseling process
1: yeah you know,
2: you're able to learn you're you know you're able to feel mm. and express and manage the range of positive and negative emotions mm. in a professional settings yeah you know the ability to form and maintain good relationship with yourself and others and but mainly it's the ability to cope and manage changes and uncertainty that we have in this stressful life yeah facts Mm.
1: facts and and the mere fact that once you make that decision that you kind of are accepting that you there is not there's something that's not quite okay with yourself because you're not feeling like yourself and you accept that and reach out for the help it may not be a smooth sailing road initially but you are on the road to recovery by reaching out for the help would you agree yeah yeah
2: most definitely and i think it all starts with the mind mm. you know let's be mindful it's it's the mind and the thought process you know if you wake up feeling crap and that's what you're processing in, you know in your thoughts mm-hmm. your feelings will be totally crap and the actions for the day would be utterly negative and crap but so it's mm. knowing how to work with the mind and the thought process it matters to what you're processing for your thoughts whether it's negative or positive and we've got the choice it's just knowing how to do it
1: um just a sort of another question that i wanted to ask quickly um, hewitt you'd be uh, aware of samaritans but samaritans always to me was a organization that just dealt with purely people who were suicidal is samaritans has it grown from that point of just sort of like people that are suicidal or is it a case of they're there to just hear you out and listen as an immediate resource for somebody who's in a very low state of you know despair really
2: i mean they've come a long way Mm. and often if you decide to contact that particular organization and they don't have the tools to help you, they're more likely to signpost you to another organisation. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? So right. different organisations may specialise in for different types of, you know, issues or mental health. Sometimes they do have, you know, the crisis team are fantastic. Each borough has a crisis team, and mm-hmm. you can actually talk to them and, and explain to them what you're going through, and they're able to ask you questions and make their own assessment then advise mm-hmm. you on what to do right okay okay and mm-hmm. then um, you know you've got different types of organization you know you just have to go online to see what's available within your location
0: what's the find from this conversation what have we taken away that we can either continue to encourage ourselves or those around us in regards to mental health
1: and yeah, just well, community. I'm gonna spin it back around on you because I remember you was it was like, Mom, you always <laughs> trying to take my answers. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah.
0: for me, I think from what I've taken away from this is first and foremost, like Hewitt's said, it's okay to not feel okay, I think normalizing that we are not perfect and that we are going to have days where we're going to feel rubbish it's okay just adding on to that I think we definitely need to advocate for our own healing I think that's really important I think change comes from us Um, and I know that there are people that mentally may not be as strong as other people but if they feel like that they can't make that decision themselves then reaching out and seeking help from their immediate environment if they can whether it be in family friends work colleagues just reaching out really because it could be just that initial phone call or that dialogue that really Mm. saves them so yeah though that's that's my find for today's So, in
1: in in brief that's advocate for your own healing yeah yeah okay Is is it is
2: it go ahead hewitt what would be your find on this episode? Gosh, I mean, yeah, that, that one was a quite a powerful one, finding mm. Shay. I would say, for me, that you're not alone. Mm, that's mm. lovely. Yeah, you're not alone yeah, and it's yeah. okay not to be okay. For me,
1: I would say that clarity. I'm a little bit more mm. clearer on the the actual sex from being... Okay, to not be not okay to 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 being at a point of okay, I have an issue. I'm recognizing that I have it. There's a little bit more clarity because it was a bit foggy to me. And like I said, I'm from the forty-somethings mm. going into nearly the fifty, so All right, not quite yet, not quite there, sure. but still. <laughs> I'm kind of part way, you know. So for me, it's clarity. I needed that in order to for me to understand. Because like I said, my 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 coping mechanism with most things is humor. So mm. I brush things off. So for me to have a clear sense, I'm like, all right. Then now I've got a practical kind of thought that if I'm not wanting to get out of the bed for the next two weeks and I don't want to bathe and I don't want to, you know, do certain things. I might have something a lot stronger than just being, feeling blue or grey. Um, I, I'm taking that mm. as my find for today. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Thank you
0: so much for sharing. And thank you so much, Stuart, for your time. We really appreciate it. You don't have to if you don't want to, but there's an opportunity if you wanted to just plug where anyone can find you in regards to reaching out for any private... Support in regards to counselling and therapy. Do you want to share those details again? You don't have no. To. no I mean, I sure.
2: To. I mean, um, I'm contactable on my personal um number for work, which is oh seven nine three one three seven six nine five three. Uh, you could also find me on the website of the B A A T N directory, and it. You know, you can just tap in where it says find therapist, H I W E T, and then I'll come up and all the areas that I specialise in will pop up for you. And yeah, thanks very much.
1: No, we appreciate you so, Thank much, you so much. Thank Europe. you so much for Thank taking you. the time to spend with us. I hope, <laughs> I hope we didn't grill you too much and that you've got to go and <laughs> sit down. No, and I mean, it's
2: just so good to talk to you both, mother and daughter. Amazing work.
1: thank you appreciate
0: you thank you so much well have an amazing day everyone